Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. The mission statement of our church is to help all people experience new life in Jesus Christ. Today, John concludes a series on the three purpose statements that help us stay on mission in his message, reaching out to others with enthusiasm and wisdom. We're here to lift up Jesus, that's the main thing, in our worship in the preaching and study of God's Word, and in our own lives, in our conversations and dealings with others, we're to lift up Jesus, also to build up believers, and also to reach out to others. And so today we're thinking about that third purpose, reaching out to others, doing everything within our power to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. So in John chapter 1, I want us to pick up here because this is a very interesting passage of Scripture. And let's just see as we read these verses how people who had come to know Jesus personally then went and brought their family member or their friend to Jesus. John 1 verse 35. Again, the next day, John, now this is John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was always pointing people to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so on this particular day, John the Baptist has been saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. And so two of his disciples, Andrew and the other one, who became the apostle John, they began to follow Jesus, and they get to know Jesus. And we would say it this way, they got saved at the 10th hour. Now, notice what Andrew did in first, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And so Jesus turned Simon into Simon Peter, a strong man and a great witness for him. But what I want you to see here is this. As soon as Andrew got saved, The first thing he did was he went and found his brother Simon, and he said, Simon, we have found the Messiah. Come with me. Let me introduce you to him. And he did, and we would say it this way. This is when Simon Peter became a believer in Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 43. See, the same thing happened with two other people. Now the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So Jesus now found Philip. Follow me. And he followed him. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. This is on the Sea of Galilee up there on the northern part. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so Philip, after Jesus had found him and saved him, what did he do? He went out. And he found his friend Nathaniel, 
And he said, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. Come, let me introduce you to him. And so this is the idea of what we're thinking about today. It is Christians, it is people sharing Jesus with people who don't yet know Jesus. It is Christians sharing Jesus with non-Christians, saved people sharing Jesus who don't yet know Christ. Sometimes, like John the Baptist, we just point them to Jesus. Sometimes, like Andrew and Philip, we bring them to Jesus, but we should always be encouraging people to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to I make this, this point very clear. You still listen? Say amen. We're still fairly early on here. I want to make sure you're with me here. Our job as Christians is to encourage non-Christians, and to, as it were, push non-Christians a little bit closer to Jesus. And then after they get saved, our job is to push them even farther so that they can grow in their faith. Now, I was home the other night, and I was playing on my phone, which I do a lot at night, and I like to look up various and different things. And, and I, I have certain preachers and pastors and things I like to follow, and I, I, I came across the other night an interview that somebody had done of Adrian Rogers, the great preacher in Tennessee, many, many years ago, and they were talking about preaching, and he was talking about the importance in our preaching of trying to lead unsaved people to Christ, and yet at the same time to help save people to grow in their relationship with Christ. And he was talking about every sermon needs to have a little bit of both more discipleship to help Christians grow, but always a, an explanation of how to be saved. And I want us to put on the screen today this little box that Adrian described in the interview, and I'm just trying to imagine this box. So I want you just to look at this. Adrian says, on the far left here, let this person represent a rebellious heathen. This is somebody who doesn't know God. They don't care what God says about anything. They live their life as though there were no God. Adultery is no sin to them. Fighting is no sin to them. Cussing is no, lying is no sin to them. Nothing is a sin to them because there's no God. They're a rebellious heathen. And so, not all unsaved people are rebellious heathens, but he's just using the extremes. He said, now, our job as Christians is to go to the rebellious heathen and to begin the process of pushing them one step closer to Jesus. Sometimes, we get a person, and, and, and maybe they're close to this, this line here is the salvation line. He said, sometime we have the privilege and honor of leading that person across that line. And you know, as I thought about that, now that's not a phrase that I would use very often in a sermon, rebellious heathen. I mean, that's not the way to make friends and influence people, right? Well, we want to welcome all the rebellious heathens here to church today. Well, no, that would not be very endearing, to, you know. You probably maybe next week go to the Methodist church if I pull that stunt on you, right? But I got thinking about that. Let me ask you a question. Yes or no? In the world, are there any rebellious heathens? Yes or no? Yes. Now let me ask you this question. In the church, are there any rebellious heathens? Now don't point to the person sitting next to you and say, right here, I'm sitting by rebellious heathens. Well, you know, I, hey, God is our judge. I judge, but I would say this based on not, I'm just saying this based on what Jesus taught in the New Testament. We know that outside the church, there are, rebellion, there are some rebellious heathens who have nothing to do with God and so on, but also inside the church, 
I'm not talking about First Baptist Pasadena. Hopefully we're exempted of this, but let's just take most every other church. Inside the church, there are some rebellious heathens, and for them, the church is their cover. Right? I mean, I'm in church, man. I, you can't call me a rebellious heathen. I'm in church. Listen, when we're in church, we're under a, we're under a roof. We're in a building. But just because we're here doesn't really reflect everything. It reflects something, but it doesn't reflect everything about where we are in our relationship with God. So Adrian said, listen, just do everything you can to always be pushing the unsaved people closer to this salvation line. But after they've crossed the salvation line, you're not finished with them. You need to keep pushing them and pushing them, help them to become a mature believer in Jesus Christ. These 78 people who've recently been saved, they've crossed the salvation line. But would we say that they're fully grown, mature believers in Jesus Christ? No. I wouldn't even say I'm a fully grown believer in Jesus Christ. I'm hopefully a growing believer. I'm hopefully a maturing believer. But I've got a long way to go. We won't be perfectly mature until we see Jesus face to face. But after somebody gets saved, we're pushing them to that. We're encouraging them to that, to trust the Lord, to obey the Lord, to go the way of the Lord, to be active in church, and so on. Now, when I was reading this article by Adrian, he said something I found very interesting. He said, in the discipleship process, see, we think of the first half is evangelism, get them saved. And the second half is discipleship, grow them up. And there's a sense in which that's true. But Adrian said something very interesting. He said, what we often fail to remember in trying to build up believers and to disciple believers is that part of discipleship is evangelism. In other words, if you try to separate evangelism from discipleship, you're doing something Jesus never did. Remember this, Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples and then to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then to teach them to obey everything that he had taught. But part of discipleship is teaching Christians who've been saved, who are growing in their relationship with God, how to share their faith with God so that they can come back and help these religious heathens, and not, I mean, rebellious heathens, and help others who may not be rebellious heathens, but they're nonetheless unsaved, but to push them and to move them a little bit closer to Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're thinking about today, reaching out to others. Now, the first thing I want to say is this. We should reach out to others with enthusiasm. Now, let me show you something interesting. Back in verse 41, notice it says, speaking of Andrew, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. That word found, our English word found, comes from the Greek word eurisko, from which we get our English word eureka. I have found it. We've all had this experience in life. Maybe you go to the mall and you find something, an outfit or something that, that you've been looking for, and you say, I found it, and you're so excited that you found it. Or maybe you go to a restaurant, and you say, man, I didn't know this restaurant was here. This restaurant is, is fantastic. The food is good. Eureka, I have found what I was looking for. Friend, think about this. As Christians... We have found a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He has forgiven us, saved us, filled us with peace and joy, and we should naturally go share Him with others. And so, you know, when we think about reaching out to others and sharing the gospel, there should be some enthusiasm in us. Eurisco, Eureka, I found what I was looking for in Jesus, and let me share how you can find Him too. But we should also reach out to others with wisdom. 
It's not just enthusiasm or giddiness or excitement. It's that, but it's also with some wisdom intact. Look in verse 46. Nathanael said to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Nathanael wanted to have a conversation about Nazareth and the stigma associated with that town. And yet Philip didn't get in that. He said, hey, just come see. Just come see. He kept the focus on Jesus. And Nathanael was brought to Jesus, and and Nathanael got saved. And so when we talk to others, we should reach out to them with wisdom and with enthusiasm. I think about a great preacher who lived in England a long time ago named Charles Spurgeon. He pastored the great Metropolitan Tabernacle. Spurgeon's one of the most influential pastors who ever lived. And he used to pray that God would, as he thought about reaching out to others and sharing his faith in Christ with others, he said, God, I pray that you would make me, now listen to this prayer, an expert in matters of the soul so that when I'm talking to another person about Christ, that you would give me the discernment to be able to tell where they are. Have they crossed the salvation line? Are they close to the salvation line? Are they way back over here? Are they like a rebellious heathen? They got nothing to do with God, the church, or they don't care what God said. God, help me to be an expert in matters of the soul. Well, we all want to be experts in matters of the soul, and we all want to tell people how they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, What I want to do now is to take just a moment and and to walk through what you can say to another person when you're talking to them about God. Now, look around this room today, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people here. And I would say, and this may not be true in every case, but I would say today that all of us know somebody who is unsaved. I mean, I would think most all of us know somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And yet, when we think about witnessing to them or sharing Christ with them, we sometimes think, well, now, what do you say? How do I have that conversation? What, what, what can I do to help this person to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I've known, I just, you might can say some of this better than I've written out here today, but this is how I, kind of how I try to do it. If I'm talking to somebody about sports or the ball game yesterday or or the economy, or politics, or the election, or whatever we might be talking about, you know, somewhere in the conversation, I'm wanting to turn that conversation towards God. I'm wanting to turn that conversation spiritually. Now, many times, they'll do that for me. They might say something like, well, you know, my life is just just messed up, or, you know, I feel like something's missing in my life, or Man, I'm just, I'm just a big worrier. They might say something like that. They might say, man, I just don't have any peace. Or, man, I, I'm so discouraged with what's happening in my life. I don't see, any, I don't see how any way God could have anything good planned for me. So sometimes they kind of just open a door for you to walk through. Sometimes you have to open your own door. God opens it, but you have to articulate it. And I normally would say something like this. When I feel led in a conversation with an unsaved person, I would say something like this. Very low key, very, not in their face, not down their throat. But I would say something like this. I would say, you know, Jesus Christ has changed my life. And he's given me a peace that I never thought I would have. Now, that's the statement that I I would say some version of that. Jesus Christ has changed my life. And he's given me a peace I never thought I'd have. Now, I'm a long way from being all I need to be. I'm still a work in progress. I still sin far more than I ought to sin. But, but I'm telling you, Jesus has changed my life, 
and he's given me a peace that I never thought I would have. And here's what I've noticed. When I use that word peace and I say he's given me this peace that I never thought I would have, that gets their attention. Why? Because remember this, unsaved people, according to the Bible, don't have peace. The Bible says there's no peace for the unsaved. So it is biblically impossible for an unsaved person to have any real peace. And so when I say that, they say something like this to me. They say, oh, man, I could use a dose of peace. I sure wish I had some peace. You don't have any idea what's going on in our family right now. If I could have some peace, I would give anything to have peace in my life. Now, if they respond in any positive way back like that to me, I I ask them a question. Here's the question I ask them. I say this. This is pretty direct, but it makes the point. I'll say this. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been saved, or are you still thinking about making that decision? Now, there's a thousand ways you can ask that question. I might say, have you come to the point in your life where you know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven, or is that something you're still thinking about? See, if you give them that out at the end, I'm still thinking, well, you know, I... I don't know if I've ever done that or not. I, 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 you know, if somebody's grown up in the church or ever been to church, they know that word saved, so that's why I'm not reluctant to use it. But sometimes you can say it a different way. And they might say, well, you know, I just, I just don't know if I've, ever, if I've ever been saved or not. I'm not sure if I've really made that decision. I sure don't have that peace. And then I ask them a second question, and the second question is, th- is simply this. Because what I'm trying to do on question two, I'm trying to get their permission. I'm trying to get them to give me permission to share with them how they can be saved without feeling like I'm infringing on their space or being too, you know, in their face. I'll say something like this. Would you mind if I took just a moment and shared with you how you can, how you can receive Jesus Christ personally, how you can become a Christian, and how you can begin to experience that peace in your life? That question is so very important because if you can get them to give you permission to share then it's natural conversation. Whereas if you just start sharing, you're going to be thinking, do they want to hear this? Or So just put it out there and say, would you mind if I took just a second? And they say, no, that'd be fine. I'd like to, anything I can do to get some peace. Man, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to hearing that. And then say something like this. Or you can say something like this. You can say, you know, a few weeks ago at our church, one of our ministers explained to us that becoming a Christian is like eating a piece of cake. Eating a piece of cake. Yeah. He took that word cake, C-A-K-E, and he made an acrostic out of it. And he said, becoming a Christian is like eating a piece of cake. We have to, just watch how quickly. I bet I can do this in less than a minute. Let me see if I can walk through this. I know some of you think you can't do anything in less than a minute, but I'm fixing to try. C-A-K-E. We have to, first of all, understand C, that Christ loves us and he has a plan for our lives. Do you believe that? Well, yeah, I I, I do believe God loves me. The A stands for all have sinned and fallen short of God's goal. We've all messed up. We've all blown it in our lives. You have, I have, the Pope has, the priest have, the deacons have, your parents have. Everybody has blown it. We have all sinned. And when we sin, our heart gets full of dirty marks. The problem is if we die with these dirty marks in our heart, we can't go to heaven and be with God. 
Because heaven is a clean place. And if God let dirty marks and dirty sins into heaven, it would make heaven a dirty place. And so no sin in heaven. We have to get those sins out of our heart. Most people are going to say, man, I know I've sinned, you know, especially if they're a grown person. They, you, that, you don't have to spend too much time on that. They know they've sinned. And that leads us to the next letter, K, knowing the gospel is imperative. It is essential that we know the gospel. That word means good news, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He paid the penalty for our sins. And E means we have to experience Christ personally. We have to ask him to come into our heart and forgive us of our sins and make us a Christian, trust him to save us. And that's the gospel. See, now I may have taken a minute and a half, or it was right around a minute right there just to do that, but that is the gospel. And then at the end of that presentation, you can say to them, does that make sense? Well, yeah. You know, it makes sense. I know I've sinned, and I do believe Jesus died. I, I get, I'm with you on that. Well, then come back to that E again. Well, let me ask you this. Would you like today to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart? Somebody help me do that. I'll be glad to help you do that. You know, we have this goal to try to reach 15,000 people in our community. It's an absolutely enormous, gigantic goal. I believe it's a vision that came from God. How's that ever going to happen? Well, the only way we could ever hope for that to happen, first of all, would be if there was like an explosion of the Holy Spirit power in our midst, right? We can't do anything without God. But also, I think in order for that to happen, there's going to have to be an explosion of what, it, it's, a, it's a big word that we don't use anymore, we probably need to reintroduce it, of evangelism, where we are sharing with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And I just look around this room today, hundreds of people, and I just think if somehow myself included, and all of us, if we could develop a burden and a passion to see people saved. See, that's part of discipleship. That's part of becoming a mature believer and meet them wherever they are. Maybe we won't be able to lead them to Christ. Maybe we could just push them one step in his direction. Maybe they're right at that line. We could take them by the hand and pull them across that line. But we all know people who need to know the Lord. And I'm going to just ask if we could bow our heads and close our eyes before we end the service today. And first of all, to our Christians, all the Christians here today, you love God or you wouldn't be in church. Now, you may not be all that you should be. Well, neither am I. We're works in progress. But would you just, as a Christian, ask God to give you a burden in your heart for unsaved people? See, there may, you, you don't know. There may be a person that has crossed your path. And they don't know it, and you don't know it, but they may be going to step out into eternity in the next very few weeks. And God has placed you in their path to share Christ with them so that when their time comes, they could go to heaven and not hell. Would you ask God to give you a burden for the unsaved? And would you pray right now, maybe God is bringing a neighbor, a friend for our students, somebody you go to school with. God is bringing somebody to your mind who's not saved, would you just pray for that person right now that the Holy Spirit would, would speak to their heart at this very moment and that this week God would give you an opportunity, maybe not to lead them to Christ, but at least to just push them one step in that direction. And as you get into that conversation with them, it may be that you can Make the statement that I've encouraged you to make and ask the questions I've encouraged you to ask. And it may be that this week you can lead them across that salvation line. And then you can begin to grow with them. And they can begin to grow with you, becoming the people that God made us all to be.
Would you like to have 100% assurance that you are going to heaven when you die? You can. Won't you pray with me now? Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me the person you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. If you are a new believer in Jesus, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet titled, How to Be a Happy Christian, that will help you in your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.